These are the required points to express in UI. Feel free to paraphrase and speak from your own experience. If you haven't heard about Anchors, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Goodbye. Thank you. I am so excited to announce that I have two new books coming out before the end of 2020. So I am super excited. I don't have exact release date, so hang on. I'm going to tell you how you can find out more. So first of all, I have a new book called Blended Learning with Google, Your Guide to Dynamic Teaching and Learning. And this book is all about how to use Google tools to support teaching and learning in a post-COVID world, no matter if you are teaching remotely or if you are teaching in a blended environment. These ideas are going to help you take your skills to the next level. So if you read my first book, this is a follow-up to book number one, Shake Up Learning, Practical Ideas to Move Learning from Static to Dynamic, where I introduce the dynamic learning framework, which is basically blended learning on steroids. So what I have done in book number two is I'm giving you even more ideas on how to apply the dynamic learning framework framework using all of your favorite Google tools. But wait, there is more because I did say two books. So actually, the other book, which will probably be available sooner, (laughs) is a supplement. And it's a supplement to both of my books. It's a supplement that I feel like can be used across the board to help teachers better understand Google tools and what's available. It's called Google A to Z the Google Glossary for Teachers. And I am breaking down all the apps. I'm going to tell you what they are and where to find them. So this will be a small reference guide that you can use, that teachers can use, that educators can use to support all of the things that you're trying to do in the classroom or as a tech coach or wherever you are. You will have this reference guide so that you know what's available besides just the usual suspects that you find in Drive. So I'm super excited about both of these books. I can't wait to share these with you. So there will be more announcements coming here on the podcast, as well as letting you know I have a special email list that you can join so that you can be the first to know when I do have the release dates, when I announce the pre-order bonuses that I am working on right now, as well as the companion course. So if you go to blendedlearningwithgoogle.com, you can sign up for those updates. And I am so excited. I can't quite stand it, but my hope is that both of these books will be available no later than the end of November.
So really hoping to get all of this out to you in time so that you can use these tools, these ideas to support your students, no matter what environment you find yourself in, in this year to beat all years. So again, go to blendedlearningwithgoogle.com to sign up for updates. What's shaking, y'all? Welcome to episode 82 of the Shake Up Learning Show. Today's episode is probably going to feel a little bit different. I kind of went on a rant. And I'll tell you, this actually happened late one night, just getting frustrated and in defense of the teachers that I know and love. I'm getting on my soapbox today because the state of education right now is maddening and it's unfair to teachers and students. And I believe that we can work together to break old ideas and mindsets and reinvent education for a post-COVID world. The things that are happening in schools right now, everybody feels so overwhelmed and I don't always see a lot of success, but I see a lot of teachers who want to quit their jobs. And I know that they love their students and they love what they do. And I feel like we can find a way to bridge this gap and to innovate together. I'm Matt Miller of the Ditch That Textbook Podcast, a proud member of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to right now. The opinions expressed are those of the individual hosts. Make sure you check out all the other great educational podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Before we get started, I want to send a shout out to Tiffany Farrar, which I hope I'm saying that correctly. Tiffany is enrolled in my Google Certification Academy Level 1 and Level 2, and she posted in our community earlier in September, and it was, it was just such a great success story. Here's what she said. If you had told me when I bought Casey Bell's Level 1 and Level 2 courses one month ago that I would have passed both Google tests... I wouldn't have believed you. Now I'm going to bite the bullet and start her trainer course. That is awesome, Tiffany. Virtual high five coming at you. I am so excited for Tiffany and for all of the recent graduates of the Google Certification Academies. If that's something you're interested in, you can go to getgooglecertified.com to learn more, get free resources, and watch a free webinar. It's time for our quick tip of the week. And this week is a follow-up to last week's tip where I talked about cropping images, which is pretty basic. But something else that you can do in slides and drawings, you can't do this in docs, but you can do it in slides and drawings, is to crop an image into a shape. And that's called masking. And it's really easy to do. This is one of those things that when I teach this in a workshop, I know I've got to give my my teachers some playtime. And the same thing will happen with your students if you show them how to do this. It's really fun. It's really creative. And it's super easy to do. So the first thing you want to do is insert your image into your slide like you normally would. Now, once you insert it, it's automatically selected. So if you don't see those blue bars, be sure that you click on it so you see the blue bars. And then up in your toolbar, keep in mind, I'm on the desktop version, not on mobile. The little crop image that you find in the toolbar has a drop down when you're in slides and drawings. Click that drop down and you can select 
a shape and you can reshape your image. This might just be kind of curving the edges or cropping it into a heart or putting it into whatever you want. So this is just a fun way to do something a little extra with your images. I'll tell you what I do when I show this, when I demonstrate this, is I usually find a really cute puppy and I crop it into a heart. And then all the teachers sigh all together. Most most people that I work with will generally um, have a lot of fun with this. So go ahead and try it. Go to slides or drawings and mask your image into a shape. And of course, there will also be a video tutorial on the YouTube channel as I am now creating those for all of those quick tips. So if you haven't subscribed to the Shake Up Learning YouTube channel, now would be a great time. Can I just have a moment to be angry? Angry for teachers, angry for educators and students across the U.S., probably across the globe, because I'm sure this is happening in other places. Not only are we being tasked with jobs we've never done before, and the world is pointing the finger at us as if it's our fault, but the decisions being made about how to handle this entire remote learning school closure situation and the models that we're going to use, frankly, Most of these are a huge disservice to teachers and students. And by that, I'm going to point the finger at the schools who are running those concurrent classrooms, trying to combine their virtual students with their in-person students at the same time. And I know why they did it. I know exactly why they did it. There are a lot of reasons in favor of this model, especially right now. I don't know if anybody actually won, in my opinion, but today's the day. Two completely different worlds. Teaching online versus teaching in person, even in a blended learning environment, are two completely different animals, y'all. Curriculum design is different. Assessment design is different. Engagement is different. The tools you use are different. The teachers who are prepared to do this are different. If we're paying attention, if the education world actually realized that education has now been changed forever, because it has, we will never go back to what we know. I believe that with all of my heart. Education is shaking things up right now. And I would love to say that it's for the better. And I think there are plenty of pockets, of places where things are being innovated and are doing things that are better. Right now, we have the opportunity to do it for the better. The crisis presents us with a unique opportunity. And frankly, that's what's breaking my heart because we're putting band-aids on things instead of trying to innovate. And this is our opportunity to innovate. If we keep trying to stretch our teachers to keep both feet (laughs) on both sides of the fence, fully online and in person, it's not going to work. Of course, all of us are hoping that this is temporary, right? that things are going to go back to normal. And I definitely understand the idea of keeping kids in the same class as they come back. It will be easy to put them back into that in-person classroom. That's the hope. That's a lot of ifs. 
That's if we're not social distancing. That's if we can fit all those kids in our classrooms. That's if things go as we hope. And in the process, we're losing so much valuable instructional time. Yes, this sucks. It does. I'm just going to put it out there. This is not easy for anyone. Lord knows, I don't want to be a superintendent right now. I never wanted to be one, but we're trying to find some magic solution. And there is not one solution. There has never been a one-size-fits-all solution for education. But at the same time, all I see is educators trying to fit a square peg into a round hole. And it's not their fault. It's not going to work. But what you're going to do, you're going to do your best. And if if this is the situation you are in, I'm here fighting the fight for you, trying to help you get through this as much as I can. But if we do find ourselves in this situation next year, then there will have to be changes. What I see for the future of education is now an evolving role for teachers. No matter what grade or subject area you teach, we will have a growing need for teachers who specialize in online learning. There have been teachers who specialize in online learning for many, many years. And in fact, I have been teaching online for many years now. But trying to get every K-12 and higher education teacher to suddenly become an expert in both is completely unfair. Maybe you want to specialize in the online learning space, that virtual space. That may be you. That may be something you really feel you would like to do and you have a knack for. And there are some teachers listening right now who are dying because they don't have those skills and it's not their fault. They're trying to gain the skills on the fly as everybody keeps saying we're building the plane as we're flying it. And I think the premise behind today's episode is really to help you where you are and to help you get through some of the issues that you're facing, to know you're not alone. I talk to teachers every day. I see examples of what's going on in classrooms, what's working, what's not, where they're getting support, where they're not getting support, and we got to figure this out. But at the same time, I feel like I can't sit back and be silent about something that goes against my entire philosophy. We cannot replicate the school day online. How many times have I already said that since March? We have to break the mindset of the traditional school day, that school has to look a certain way. I feel like this even goes back to the dynamic learning framework that I shared in my book because we're doing things differently and we should be doing things differently. How many times am I going to have to say, stop asking how to put a worksheet in Google Classroom? If that's what you're doing, yeah, your kids are bored. And if you're still asking how to lock down every situation, you don't want them to use the chat. You don't want them to use the discussion. You don't want them to open other tabs. I get it. You have to engage your students. I taught middle school and Lord knows I know exactly what those kids are doing. But we can't pretend that the 21st century doesn't exist. We can't put kids in the classrooms that we attended. We have to put kids in a new, untested environment. This is also a great opportunity for us to open new doors to do things differently. And you know what? We're not going to deliver instruction. We're not going to facilitate. We're not going to do every single piece the same way. That's the problem right now. The biggest issue I see is substitution everywhere I go. Yeah, I get that that's the first step, but that should have been March. That was the spring when we didn't have 
any preparation time. And not that we've had much preparation time for what's been going on, but in terms of planning from the higher level, so many other things have to be taken into account and stop placing blame on teachers. A lot of schools have devices at their disposal. A lot of schools have access. A lot of kids have access. Yes, there is still a huge gap, and that's part of the problem. Why replicate the school day in an online environment if kids can't even participate in that online environment? You know, how many posts do I see from teachers right now who cannot even get their students to log in? I'm not saying I have the magic solution. Like I said, I don't believe there is one magic solution. I am just hit a boiling point where I feel like I have to say something. We have to get creative. We have to mix synchronous with asynchronous. And that means teachers have to understand what that is. And I'm actually working on some resources for that topic right now. I even saw a TikTok video of a teacher who thought that asynchronous learning meant independent work time. And that to me said so much about the understanding of this environment. It's so much more than just saying, oh, it's independent, because when you're doing it synchronously, it's not. We can't keep muddying up the waters with the school day and kids sitting in front of a screen to eat their lunch and watch a break video. That's ridiculous. Asking a first grader to sit in front of a screen all day, asking an adult to sit in front of a screen all day, frankly, is just wrong. That's not the solution. Again, that's replicating, that's substitution. I can't wrap my head around the thinking. And that's why I'm on my soapbox right now. I'm mad. It's probably not going to make a big difference, but I have to speak up. And I have an audience and I'm probably preaching to the choir right now. And I do feel a little bit like a preacher. I feel like I am asking for an amen right now because... There are so many things that we can be doing better, that so many of us know better, and we have to stop trying to replicate the school day, the idea of the old traditional school day. Let go of that mindset. Let it go. The other thing we have to let go of is that every student doesn't have to do the exact same thing at the exact same time. And I've said that for years. That is a mindset that we have created for ourselves, probably because of how we have experienced learning as a student, and it doesn't have to work that way. And once you let that go, you open yourself up for so many other types of learning models so that we can be more creative, so that we can be more rigorous, so that we can engage students in new ways. And y'all, I love seeing some of the creativity out there. The Bitmoji classrooms, I've talked about those before. Those are great. Are those groundbreaking? No. They're cute. They're a distraction. They allow us to link things and put things in one place and organize things in a new way. That's what's important. The other thing that we have to let go of is the idea that seat time equals learning. Oh my gosh, y'all, can we please let that go? 
for both students and adults, because just sitting there doesn't mean that they have learned anything. And for me, a 30 minute deep dive into learning is so much more valuable than staring at a screen for five hours when I want to pull my hair out. And I have seen so many posts from kids of all ages literally banging their head against a wall or a Chromebook, and they are bored out of their minds. We do not have to bore them. It's not in the vocabulary. We can do better. We should do better. Have I ruffled any feathers yet? Y'all, the future should ruffle your feathers. Hey, y'all, I wanted to be sure and let you know that we are about to launch another official Shake Up Learning book study. And this book study will start on October 1st and end on November 5th. And it's a book study of my first book, Shake Up Learning, Practical Ideas to Move Learning from Static to dynamic. And if you are looking for some resources and ideas on ways to engage students in blended and remote learning experiences, you don't want to miss this free opportunity. So this book study will take place in an exclusive pop-up Facebook group. So you have to be able to use Facebook but it is completely free. And you get to interact and learn with other educators who are also in the same boat, who are all learning this together. So each week you will read four chapters and the chapters are really short. They're like mini chapters. And then I'm going to post some discussion questions and challenges. And we're all going to share and learn together. So This will be the last book study of the 2020 year. So um, get in while you can. You can go to shakeuplearning.com slash book study to sign up for updates, see the calendar and schedule and learn more about the book. So I can't wait to see you in the book study on October 1st. So I'm going to keep this short and sweet, but I'm going to wrap it up and summarize the shifts that we need in education right now. Number one, we need to view changes, aka crisis, as an opportunity. Education has been in need of a shakeup for as long as I can remember. And that's my mantra. That's what I'm all about. And I talk so often about missed opportunities. And I hate to see the opportunity we have before us to reinvent education and not do it. So as we think about the ways that we can embrace these changes and view them as an opportunity, because if you listen to me, I really try to remain positive. Today was the exception because, frankly, I've just been so upset about the teachers that I care about so much. Remember to view changes wherever you are. Those changes in your classroom, in your school, in your personal life changes can bring opportunity. Number two, to stop trying to replicate the traditional school day online. Now, this may be completely out of your control, but you can always make suggestions and get creative within your own realm. So the idea of running the exact same schedule, the exact same hours, and trying to do exactly what you did with your kids in a face-to-face environment just doesn't work online. 
And as soon as you accept that fact and you begin to rethink your activities and how you can get students to reach those learning goals, you will find more creative learning paths for your students and you'll actually be able to differentiate and personalize in a whole new way. Number three, and this kind of goes along the same lines, but that is recognizing that every student doesn't have to do the exact same thing at the exact same time. And I think that goes back to um, that reference I made with watching a teacher kind of go on a rant on TikTok, which, by the way, y'all don't don't do that. Um, (laughs) You can get fired. That's legit. But what she was upset about was that she had never heard of synchronous or asynchronous learning until this whole thing happened. And she was really watering down the definition. She didn't understand what asynchronous learning is. So as you think about the fact that every student doesn't have to do the same thing at the same time, that doesn't just mean you're going to click independent time and everybody is working independently at the same time. It actually means there is more flexibility in how that learning takes place. And when you think about the fact that every kid learns differently and at a different pace, again, this allows us to reach those students in new ways and to hopefully differentiate differentiate to reach them in better ways. Number four, recognize that seat time does not equal learning. I think this message is more so for the decision makers in the administration and school board who are so adamant that the only way to account for students is that they sit in that seat in front of that screen for the same amount of hours that they sat in seats in our school buildings. And this also goes back to even our educational systems that have those requirements that now is the time that we can rethink how do we account for learning because I guarantee you just because a kid is sitting there doesn't mean they are learning and I can tell you that for me as well I have gathered my fair share of seat time and professional development and I don't always learn just because I am sitting there. And number five, let go of the lockdown mindset. So many teachers are embracing technology and also afraid. And I get it. There are many things that kids can get into. And we do have lots of systems in place to monitor that. But at the same time, when we decide that we're not going to make use of the 21st century tools at our disposal, like being able to chat and ask questions and leave comments and locking down tabs, not being able to Google answers, Well, guess what? That's a real world skill. And that's a skill that I use every single day in my job. I bet it's a skill that you use every single day in your job. So these are the things that we need to gradually teach our students how to use and how it applies to learning. So if you are still asking questions that are Googleable, that show up that at the top of a Google search, maybe you should rethink how you ask questions. So asking better questions is something that we can always improve upon. These are the five shifts that I believe we truly need in education now. I apologize if I've offended anyone. I truly am doing this in defense of teachers. I have watched so many of my friends and colleagues 
heartbroken, wanting to quit their jobs. And I don't have the means to help other than the voice and the audience that I have. So if you have enjoyed this message, if you identify with this message, share this podcast with another teacher, with another educator. If we work together, we can find better solutions so that we are prepared for the post-COVID education world. I am so excited to announce that I have two new books coming out before the end of 2020. So I am super excited. I don't have exact release date, so hang on. I'm going to tell you how you can find out more. So first of all, I have a new book called Blended Learning with Google, Your Guide to Dynamic Teaching and Learning. And this book is all about how to use Google tools to support teaching and learning in a post-COVID world, no matter if you are teaching remotely or if you are teaching in a blended environment. These ideas are going to help you take your skills to the next level. So if you read my first book, this is a follow-up to book number one, Shake Up Learning, Practical Ideas to Move Learning from Static to Dynamic, where I introduce the dynamic learning framework, which is basically blended learning on steroids. So what I have done in book number two is I'm giving you even more ideas on how to apply the dynamic learning framework using all of your favorite Google tools. But wait, there is more because I did say two books. So actually, the other book, which will probably be available sooner, (laughs) is a supplement. And it's a supplement to both of my books. It's a supplement that I feel like can be used across the board to help teachers better understand Google tools and what's available. It's called Google A to Z, the Google Glossary for Teachers. And I am breaking down all the apps. I'm going to tell you what they are, and where to find them. So this will be a small reference guide that you can use, that teachers can use, that educators can use to support all of the things that you're trying to do in the classroom or as a tech coach or wherever you are. You will have this reference guide so that you know what's available besides just the usual suspects that you find in Drive. So I'm super excited about both of these books. I can't wait to share these with you. So there will be more announcements coming here on the podcast, as well as letting you know I have a special email list that you can join so that you can be the first to know when I do have the release dates, when I announce the pre-order bonuses that I am working on right now, as well as the companion course. So if you go to blendedlearningwithgoogle.com, you can sign up for those updates. And I am so excited. I can't quite stand it, but my hope is that both of these books will be available no later than the end of November. So really hoping to get 
all of this out to you in time so that you can use these tools, these ideas to support your students, no matter what environment you find yourself in, in this year to beat all years. So again, go to blendedlearningwithgoogle.com to sign up for updates. What's shaking, y'all? Welcome to episode 81 of the Shake Up Learning Show. Today, I am sharing some of my favorite Google tips that I think will help you during this remote learning, hybrid learning situation. So I went into my archives and I've talked to a lot of teachers and I'm finding out what's going on. And I want to show you how Google tools can help you save time, save some frustration, and hopefully make the best of the remote learning situation that we're in right now. Hi, I'm Amber Harper, host of the Burned In Teacher Podcast, a proud member of the Education Podcast Network, just like the podcast you're listening to right now. The opinions expressed are those of the individual hosts. Be sure to check out our other podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com and get ready because the learning begins in three, two, one. Before we get started, I want to send a huge shout out to Mike Mohammed, aka Mo Physics, for writing a guest post for the Shake Up Learning blog. Mike always impresses me with his creativity and the things that he does in his high school physics class that you just wouldn't expect of a high school physics teacher. And this post is so cool. You have to go check it out. It's called Read Along Storybooks Using Audio with Google Slides. Now, You wouldn't expect that to come from a high school teacher. And especially once you see the read-along storybooks, you will not automatically make that connection. And that's what's so brilliant. So Mike had his students create storybooks in Google Slides and record narration and insert that audio into the slides. These stories are based on physics. So he's using his content. But these students are also teaching physics to kindergartners who are their audience. And they actually shared these books with a kindergarten class in their district. And I've even seen some of the reactions in Flipgrid videos. Those are also included in the post. So you can see the kindergartners' reactions. A great way to connect the older kids to the younger kids putting the student in the seat of the teacher. And you know, if you can teach something, you're at that higher level of understanding. So it's just a great idea. And I felt like it needed to be mentioned on the podcast. Thanks so much, Mike, for sharing that post with the Shake Up Learning readers. It's time for our quick tip of the week. And this week, I'm going to shift gears a little bit. And I want to talk about something that I feel like a lot of teachers don't know exists inside docs and slides and drawings. And that is the ability to crop an image. So if you've ever spent forever trying to edit a picture somewhere or, you know, and then import it into your project, there are a lot of things you can actually do inside docs and slides and drawings. Now, They work a little bit differently. Slides and drawings are more 
robust in terms of image editing, and they should be. But in docs, I just want to make sure everybody knows this works in docs. When you insert an image, you can actually double click on that image and you'll see these little blue bars turn to these longer black bars. And you can click and drag to cut out the edges of your picture. So you can crop it down to just what you need. So I use this feature so much that I forget that a lot of teachers just don't know that it exists. Of course, you can do this in slides and drawings as well. There are a few other places, but those are the major ones that are going to allow you to crop. Now, next week, I'm going to share a tip that's going to work in slides and drawings and let you mask an image into a shape. So stay tuned for that one. Again, all you have to do is double click the image or if you select the image, you'll see the crop icon in your toolbar. So you can do it that way as well. Double clicking is just faster for me. And it's super simple. Just click and drag to get that image cropped into the size that you want. And again, don't forget, if you get confused listening to the audio version of these quick tips, they are also posted on the Shake Up Learning YouTube channel. So you can actually watch the step-by-step. And almost all of these videos are two minutes or less. So they're just a really easy resource to go learn how to do something. Remote learning has sent teachers and schools into high gear. (laughs) No lie, right? We're all trying to figure out what works. And in today's episode, I'm going to show you 10 Google tips that I feel like will help you in remote learning. They'll also help you no matter what's happening. These are just great tips that I feel like are particularly useful during this situation. Keep in mind, this has never been done before, not like this. So cut yourself some slack. We're all learning together. I'm talking to so many teachers who feel defeated, who feel like every day is just more lessons learned the hard way and banging your head against the wall and going to bed at midnight and working all day and night to try to do what's best for your kids. Hang in there. There is light at the end of the tunnel There is something that we're going to come out of with this entire situation. We are going to be better because of this. Through this situation, most schools have come to rely heavily on Google and G Suite for Education tools. So that led me to putting together some of my favorite Google tips and hacks that will help you during remote learning and beyond. So let's start with none other than Google Slides, which y'all know is not only my favorite, but I think it's become a go-to for remote learning. Teachers often use Google Slides for their lessons, but as a presenter, I also like to create interactive lessons, choice boards, hyperdocs, and more. And students use Slides to create and demonstrate their learning. But one struggle that I see so many teachers facing right now is when they present their slides during a remote learning class using something like Google Meet or Zoom. And you can't see anything once you click present but your presentation. And so a lot of teachers just don't know this trick. And it's super handy for so many reasons. But remember this, publish to the web. So our first tip is a Google Slides tip, and that's to publish to the web when you're going to share your screen in a video conference classroom like Google Meet or Zoom. 
I've been doing this for so many years. I kind of forgot that this is what I do and that so many teachers don't know how to do this. So I publish to the web for a lot of different reasons. I share and embed my presentations on my website. I share them with you if you come see me in person. And of course, when I do virtual presentations, which I've been doing for years, this little trick allows me to see multiple windows at once. So when you're in your Google slide deck, you're going to click on file and go to publish to the web. And you'll see a lot of different options there, but you want to click that publish button. And once you click that publish button, a little pop-up is going to say like, hey, are you sure you want to do this? Keep in mind, published means it's public, but you're not going to turn up first in a Google search. So don't let that freak you out. I promise you that this is worth it. And when you're sharing your lessons through Google Slides, you know what, you're not you're not necessarily making anything accessible to anyone. They're not going to be able to automatically just copy your slide. So this is not the same as sharing. But once you click that publish button, you'll see the option to grab a link. And that is a unique link to the publish to the web version. And it's like this full window player of your slideshow. And so when you are presenting via Google Meet, Zoom, whatever you're using, and you click that little share your screen button, you're going to select that window that has the publish to the web version. And my advice is to put that in a window all by itself. If you have other links you're going to open during your presentation, put those in that same set of tabs. And that way, when you click share your screen, everything's there for you. So again, you're going to go to file, publish to the web, click publish, grab that special link and copy and paste it in a new window. And that will be just such a great time saver. Now, if you have to make adjustments, what's great, if you make any changes to your file, that publish to the web will update. If you already have it open, be sure that you click refresh, though, and then you'll see those changes, like if you added a slide or something else, because, you know, we all have to add things on the fly. But that's something you'll have to tell your students, too, if they need to refresh and see something. Okay, moving on to our second tip. This is Google Chrome. So the whole screen situation has just come bubbling to the top with teachers and students having to access their classes, their resources, their lessons, everything online. And like I mentioned in the first tip, when you're presenting and typically teachers and students aren't given devices with large screens, especially students. They're mostly on really small, like Chromebook kind of screens, or even maybe an iPad. And teachers are now requesting to have bigger screens or extra monitors and things like that. And we're going to hit on a few of those screen situations today. But this Chrome tip will allow you to easily split the screen that you have so you can see more than one thing at once. And these two Chrome extensions are probably my most used Chrome extensions. And I feel like they are particularly helpful when you are teaching online. And that is Tab Scissors and Tab Glue. So as teachers are trying to figure out how to fit everything on the screen... 
this is one way to to make things a little bit easier. So if you found yourself kind of clicking and dragging and moving things around and trying to squeeze it all in, if you install these two extensions, you need both tab scissors and tab glue. When you have your tabs open, say Google Classroom and your grade book, all you have to do is click on the second tab of the two, and then you click on your scissors and it magically splits your screen into two windows. So you can see them side by side and you'll be able to assess and enter your grades all at once. Now, this might also be handy, like we mentioned earlier, during something like a Zoom meeting or a Hangouts, whatever it is that you're doing that is in a web-based version. So if you're looking at, say, Google Meet, on the web, that is also a tab that's open that you could split. So very, very handy. I will have links to those Chrome extensions in our show notes at shakeuplearning.com slash 81. Okay, tip number three is actually for Google Meet. And this one is something you may or may not know about your TV. As you're working at home and you find yourself in need of more real estate on the screen, you can actually use your TV to cast your website or your Google Meet onto your television. So you need a Google Chromecast or a Chromecast-enabled TV. Y'all, Google Chromecasts are pretty cheap. I think they're still around $30. So... It is an extra expense, but it's also fairly affordable and could save you some sanity. So if you are sitting somewhere near a TV that has that capability built in, or if you want to plug it in, it just plugs into an HDMI in the back of the TV. And then you install the extension in Chrome, and it will allow you to cast what's on the screen onto your television. And that is super handy when you find yourself working on a tiny little laptop or Chromebook and you really just want to see everything big and pretty. And most people have televisions that are bigger than their computer screens. So I thought that was worth mentioning. Google is, of course, now promoting this a little bit more in terms of casting Google Meet in particular, but you can cast other tabs and things online too. In fact, I use this to cast my online church onto the television so that I can watch it on TV because I can get it on the web, but they don't have an app that works on my TV. So I am have been attending online church services by casting it into my television. Okay, tip number four. We're going to go back to Google Chrome, and I want to share another extension that I feel like is particularly helpful right now, and that is Sir Links a lot. So uh, many of you have heard me share some URL hacks along the way, like how to force a copy, or you may have been told, like, type in the word present at the end of your slide um, URL, and it will magically present for you. There's a lot of little things like that. But in terms of sharing, it can get really time-consuming to try to remember how to share everything the right way. And if you need that force a copy link or you need that template link, whatever it is, Sir Links a Lot is an extension that magically does this for you. And with one click, you can quickly grab that special link that you need. 
So once you install the Sir Links a Lot extension, which you can get from our show notes at shakeuplearning.com slash 81, once it's installed, you'll see the little icon, this little black hat with the link symbol, and you just click on it from your Google file. You have to be on a Google file for this to work. And you'll be able to get the template link, the force of copy link, the preview link, or a PDF link all in one click. Keep in mind, if this is new to you and you haven't used these links before, Google Classroom will override some of this. So be sure that you understand how these links work and how you want them to work for your students when you decide to do this. Because if you attach a link in Google Classroom, it will automatically share it in a different way. So if you need it to be a template link, you need to add that as a link in your instructions or in the comments for it to work the way you want it to work. Hey y'all, I wanted to be sure and let you know that we are about to launch another official ShakeUp Learning book study. And this book study will start on October 1st and end on November 5th. And it's a book study of my first book, ShakeUp Learning, Practical Ideas to Move Learning from Static to dynamic. And if you are looking for some resources and ideas on ways to engage students in blended and remote learning experiences, you don't want to miss this free opportunity. So this book study will take place in an exclusive pop-up Facebook group. So you have to be able to use Facebook but it is completely free and you get to interact and learn with other educators who are also in the same boat, who are all learning this together. So each week you will read four chapters and the chapters are really short. They're like mini chapters. And then I'm going to post some discussion questions and challenges and we're all going to share and learn together. So this will be the last book study of the 2020 year. So get in while you can. You can go to shakeuplearning.com slash book study to sign up for updates, see the calendar and schedule and learn more about the book. So I can't wait to see you in the book study on October 1st. Okay, moving on to tip number five. And this one, I'm going to say it's a Google Drive tip, but it works in multiple applications in docs and slides and our usual suspects that we also store inside Google Drive. But you can see some things in Google Drive, which is why I kind of feel like it's a drive tip as well. And it's called the Activity Dashboard. Many teachers right now and administrators are wondering, how in the world do we track what students are actually doing online? And while Google is working on some solutions to give us access to engagement and time and things like that spent online, it's it's a, it's not quite there yet. And we don't have access to some of those new features at the time of this recording. So I wanted to make sure that you knew about something called the activity dashboard. So if you're in, say, a Google document that is shared with a student or a group of students or your entire class, go to tools and click on activity dashboard. This will allow you to see everyone who has access to the document. You can see what they call the viewer trend 
and it will show you some statistics on how many people are viewing this document. You'll see um, comment trends. You'll see sharing history, et cetera. So you'll be able to see what has been changed there. And I'm not talking about the editing of the document. I'm just talking about the access and that people are doing anything. We're not talking about version history here. This is a little bit different. This is activity. But you also see this in not only the the file itself, like in docs or slides, but when you go to Drive. So when you're in Drive and you select a document from your Drive, there is also a icon that appears at the top. It's an I with a, you know, a circle around it. It's kind of like that information button. If you hover over it, it says View Details. When you open that up, you'll have two tabs. You'll have details, which shows you like the file name and all of the basics there. But if you click on activity, it will also show you the activity that has happened in that file or folder. So you can see that someone has edited an item. For instance, right now I'm looking at a file that I have shared with my work account and my personal account. So I can see when the various versions of Casey Bell have edited these different files. So this gives you at least more of a snapshot of what's going on. And yes, version history is still there, still very handy. Um, but I just wanted to make sure because I feel like activity dashboard is not used that often. And I want you to know that it's there. Take a look at it. See if it's useful. See if it helps you during this time. Tip number six, this one is coming back to Google Meet, and it's a new feature that we have been told is coming in September. Lots of new features that are coming. This one hopefully will be available by the time this episode airs, but I felt like it is so useful for remote learning that I wanted to be sure and include that. And that is the integration of Jamboard. So if you have not used Google's Jamboard application, go to jamboard.google.com. It is an interactive whiteboard. It is also collaborative. So you can encourage students to share ideas and take notes and analyze the information that they are given together and use that in conjunction with Google Meet. Like I said, we don't have complete details on this yet on how this is going to work but I am excited. I suspect we will just have the option inside Meet to share a Jamboard from there so that kids can use that. And it will give you another way to see their thinking and to get students engaging and collaborating during a remote learning lesson. Tip number seven, this one is for Google Classroom and this is specifically for the mobile app. There are some features that are only available in the mobile app. If you didn't know that, you want to make sure you've installed that app on your phone or your tablet so you can see some of the things that are available. There's not a lot, but it. I wish this feature was available on the desktop. In the mobile app, you can actually select randomly from your roster a student, which means you could use this almost like your jar of popsicle sticks or whatever you have in the past to help you more fairly call on students. And of course, you can use this in a face-to-face -face environment, but when you're online, you could just have your phone handy and pull up the Google Classroom app on your phone, and you're going to click on your People tab. And up in the top right, you'll see a, an icon that's like 
uh, three squares and a fourth square kind of tilted into a diamond. Click on that and it's called the student selector. And you just click on start and it will randomly select one of your students that you can call on. Now, it's not going to tell the student that. This is just a little random selector that you can use while you're teaching. And it's handy to have it in that digital format. And it's actually pretty handy to have it on mobile. So you've got that on a separate screen and you're not distracting yourself from what's going on on your main screen. So that is the student selector in the Google Classroom mobile app. Tip number eight, we're going to come back to Google Chrome. And y'all, I love Chrome. If you're on a Chromebook, you know that you're using Chrome. But if you have not been using Chrome and you're using Google Apps, I highly recommend that you use Google Chrome if your school allows that because Google works best with Google. And this tip actually has to do with the bookmarks bar. And I talk about the bookmarks bar quite a bit. It allows you to put bookmarks underneath that main search bar. So you have one-click access. That's where I put all my frequent flyers. The other thing you can put in the bookmarks bar is a folder. So you can actually have an entire folder of several bookmarks. Here's something that could be super handy during remote learning. And that is to create a folder in your bookmarks bar, which by the way, Go into your settings, enable the bookmarks bar if you don't see it. Then you're going to right-click on the bar, just find some open space, and click on Add Folder. And inside that folder, you can name it whatever you want, but inside that folder, put all of the tabs that you need to open for your remote learning lesson. And this is most likely all of those websites you need to open all at once. Maybe you don't need them open all day, like when we use things like pin tabs, but you may have... You need this Google Class open, you need Google Meet open, you need this Google Slide Deck open, all of those things. And what's great is if you have that folder on your bookmarks bar, all you have to do is right click and click on open all. Now, (laughs) here's the thing. I would not recommend this if you have like 50 bookmarks because it's going to take forever to open that many websites at once. This is just a quick tip. Say if you've got three to five websites that you open every time you do something and it will save you time. So you can put those all in there. Again, right click and you can open them all at once. Of course, there are tons of other extensions and things like that that allow us to save groups of bookmarks. I use OneTab, which allows me to not only close, but to save bookmarks. But I like the folder idea as well. So give it a try if you find yourself in that situation. Okay, tip number nine, learn how to search Google Drive. I am often astounded by how many people don't realize that the search feature inside Google Drive is really, really good. It searches everything. It searches titles, folders. It searches words that appear on pictures. It searches everything. It's super smart and it saves me so much time. And I am not the most organized in my Google Drive. I do have tons of folders, but I'm not always the best at remembering to move things into folders. So search is what saves me. The other thing that people don't always realize when they search Drive is that it has sort of that 
auto feature, that auto complete, like when you're searching Google. And if you just begin typing a word, it's going to start suggesting what it thinks you're looking for. That's not the end of your search. You want to go ahead and type in your keyword and hit return. And then you'll see your search results. Not only can you do that, you can click that little drop down arrow in the search box and modify and filter this search. So you can search by file type, by the owner, where you think it's located, a time frame, if it has the words, if it doesn't have um, certain things in it. You can even look for follow-up tasks and things like that. So it's super handy. This is definitely a skill that the secondary students need to learn how to do as well with us adding so many files into our Google Drive, you need to be able to find things and to find them quickly. I have an entire post on how to search and find anything in Google Drive, and I'll also attach that into our show notes at shakeuplearning.com slash 81. Okay, we made it to tip number 10. I wasn't sure if I was going to get all 10 of these squeezed into one episode. And our last tip, tip number 10, is voice typing in Google Docs. So this feature is super handy for anyone, any kind of learner, for adults, for teachers, for administrators, for me, for our students, even for our littles who can't type or write incomplete sentences yet. Voice typing is super useful. And if we're using technology, we need to be using every tool in the toolbox to save time, to save headaches, and to help our kiddos learn. So if you've never used voice typing, in Google Docs is where it works the best. You can also use voice typing in the speaker notes of Google Slides, but you can't type directly into voice type directly into the slide itself. So to enable it in Google Docs, go to Tools, click on Voice Typing, It's going to ask for permission to use your microphone. And then it just has this little microphone button that appears. And when you click on it, you dictate into your document. And let me tell y'all, I say this all the time. Siri does not speak East Texan. Siri and I have had words. (laughs) She does not understand me when I try to dictate into any of my Apple devices using Siri. Google, I feel like, has the advantage And this little engine, the little engine that could, understands what I'm saying so much better. So when I dictate, I also need to give it the punctuation. So you need to say, period, new paragraph, bold, italics. You can add all of that formatting in there. But it's super easy. It works really well. Y'all, I have even used this to transcribe my podcasts in which only proves how many run-on sentences I actually have when I'm speaking. So I have to go back and fix those. But I have been known to actually use this feature and play my podcast just to get that information into a text format. So it is super handy. It is speech-to-text built into Google Docs. And like I said, it is useful for all learners. And most of us talk faster than we type. So yes, this can be super handy. And even if you are doing a live class, you know, you can have your students mute themselves, which is actually makes this easier than trying to do it with all of the kids in the same classroom. So 
Voice typing is something you definitely need to introduce to your students and to maybe your parents too, especially for the little, so that they can help their students to do this at home. All right, that wraps up our 10 Google tips for remote learning. I hope you enjoyed these. I know sometimes in an audio podcast, you don't completely see exactly how it all works. So don't forget to go to our show notes at shakeuplearning.com slash 81 to get those step-by-step directions and see some screenshots and additional resources to help you learn how to do all of these little Google tricks. <laughs>